2: Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Delirious Nomads um if you're if you've been listening to us you know that this is all about getting to know our artist friends and uh what they've been doing during this never ending pandemic um what they have on tap uh, in, on in store for the next year or so we've been featuring mostly band members we're going to change switch it up a little bit today and talk to a very very good friend of mine who have known for Couple decades at least, I, th- I think. Tommy London from Sirius's Hair Nation and occasionally Ozzy's Boneyard. What's up, Tommy?
1: Hey, what's going on, Chris? Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, man. And we got my my partner Matt with us today. Um, I don't think you guys have met before, or have you?
1: No, it's the first if time we met. Matt,
2: no. oh, cool. Um, you're not missing much, uh, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> I slave
0: away at this podcast, not your fucking mm. label. <laughs> this is what I get. <laughs>
2: Hey, we had started out with a laugh. Come on! If I really wanted to make fun of you, we talk about that shirt that I can see you're wearing. But
0: oh, dude, like, you know, did you see what I posted on Instagram today? I did, I did, I did. You definitely,
2: look, you definitely look like a like a drug dealer.
0: I'm like dealing with the cocaine aesthetic this summer. No shame. Wait till you see me in Vegas. I'll come up with something good for beauty and Essex.
2: Fantastic. Um, so Tom in London, we met a long time ago. He's from the Lower East Side, uh, just as I was, although I'm in Los Angeles now. He was in one of the greatest rock bands to never, ever explode, The Dirty Pearls. Just a yes. fucking amazing New York City rock band that you know, had they come along in a different decade, um, I think everyone would know their name. Um, but unfortunately, not the right time for rock and roll. But man, what a great band. I have so many great memories of seeing you guys and then you've gone on to do great things um, with a solo career, uh, really great records. You've performed with Lady Gaga. And now more, most recently, um, you've become a full-time DJ, VJ, what, what, radio personality. What, are we, what are you...
1: DJ, host, radio personality, yeah, on Sirius XM.
2: For Sirius XM, So, which has got to be a dream come true.
1: It is, man. I mean, it's funny. When I was a kid, it's really ironic. When I was a kid, I used to tape songs off the radio. But here's how stupid I was. I would have the stereo with the radio station playing. And I'd have my boombox and I would tape the, take the boombox with the cassette and tape what was on the radio when all I really had, and tell everyone to be quiet, when all I really had to do was within the boombox, I could hit record and it would just tape. But I didn't know that. <laughs> right? and, but I would love to talk over it like, um, like I was the DJ. Coming up next, here it is, the latest song from Kiss, lick it up. And then it would start and I'd make these little tapes for myself. Never assuming or even thinking about going down this path in life. And it was like a happy accident that happened to me uh, about two years ago, and I really feel like it's my calling. I look forward to it every day. And I get to play all the music and and talk about the bands that I love and have uh, have this useless knowledge. well, at least I always thought it was useless knowledge until now,
2: you know right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you definitely are. You definitely are knowledgeable um, in all things. Uh, you know, '80s hair metal and rock. Um, I love. You know. You, so, kind of. I guess take us through because yeah, at first you were just kind of filling in, or pop, you know, you'd pop up once in a while. So, in the house, and especially during the pandemic. I mean, I'm I'm back at work now, um, so I'm out of the house more. But you know, we always have the surround sound on in every single room of this huge house, and uh, and and we, it's, it's almost always hair metal, right? I would hear you pop up every now and then and it was very it was obviously very cool. I think I even texted you the first time I heard you like, holy shit, what the fuck? But now now it's full time. So kind of like kind of take us through, you know, how did you how did it even get started? And 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 then how did it grow to where it is now? Well,
1: it's really funny, man. A friend of mine knew Scott Greenstein, who's the president of Sirius X, and he overheard my friend overheard me talking about music and whatnot. He said, You know so much about all these bands. I go, Yeah, it's useless. Like I just said to you, it's useless knowledge. I'm a big hit at the bar up the street for trivia night. He says, actually, I think you'd be great at a Sirius XM. And I said, wow, I would love that job. He says, I'm friends with the president. I'll get you an interview. I said, okay. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think anything would come about. And he sends me a text with Scott on the text, which to me was like, a little informal, you know what I mean? I thought it would be an email kind of thing, but they were close friends. It'd be like, because I've I've known you for so long that we're so close to friends that I could text someone else and be like, hey, Chris, this is the guy I was telling you about. And it's just taken on that level, which is the same way he had with Scott from SiriusXM. So he said, hey, I'm not looking for any DJs, but I would love to meet you. I said, okay, so I'm not getting this job. So I kind of went in there thinking, I'm just going to meet the guy. I'll get a little tour of SiriusXM and I'll call it a day. So I, <laughs> but I think that was a good thing because I went in there thinking I wasn't getting the job. So I was a little bit more loose and relaxed instead of being tense and whatnot. So I go in there and we're sitting there talking and we really hit it off on all these bands. And the key, when I knew that him and I connected was we were talking about Bon Jovi and he's friends with Richie Sambora. And I said, you know, I love Richie Sambora's solo records, but his, he made a mistake on that first album. He goes, what do you mean? I said, he released the wrong song. He goes, what song do you think he should have released? And I said, Rosie. And at the same time I said this song, Rosie, which is on the record, which is an old Bon Jovi song, by the way, that never got released in Richie, redid it. Scott said at the same time. And that's when I knew, I was like, whoa, we just hit the nail on the head together at the same time. And I felt that connection. And he turned to me right there. He said, you really do know your shit. He goes, I don't have many guys like you here, believe it or not, so I'm gonna get you in. And then he got me the weekends. And uh, then they had me filling in here and filling in there. And then someone left or, you know, dropped a lot of shifts. They moved on to something else. And then I fell into the pocket of getting to uh, being there every day. So, yeah.
2: Amazing. So where do you record? Do you record up at, at the studios?
1: Well, I was doing at the studios prior to COVID. And then after COVID hit, uh, we've been now tracking from our homes. And now SiriusXM has reopened, soft opening, in uh, I think uh, last few weeks. And they're going to do the hard opening. At least they were scheduled to. I don't know know if this will change in September. And they've told us, well, I shouldn't say they told us, they asked us if we want to come back, what's our plan? Because some people have moved, so they're not near a studio. So they'll probably most likely still work from home, I'm assuming. And uh, I'm down for a little bit of both. I like having the luxury of waking up and just doing it and uh, also having to go in the studio and, and see people. And I think that's important too, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I love it up there. I've done, I I took, I did an Aussies Boneyard takeover once, and then I did liquid metal with Jose at least four or five times. It was always fun going up there.
1: Yeah, there's great energy in there. As soon as you enter, like you just feel it. Like there's this energy at Sirius XM. You never know who you're going to run into Howard Stern or Def Leppard. I ran into them one time. I was like, this is crazy.
2: I also do, there's a couple of guys that do a boxing show on Friday, Wednesday nights and Friday nights. I've been there to do that as well.
1: Yeah, I ran. I think I might have told you this. I ran into a famous boxer there. And unfortunately, I didn't know who he was or how famous he was. He wanted to take a picture with me. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. And then he did, you know, one of these things like, you know, when Stallone takes a picture with you, he's got to put the, the fist up. And I didn't know who he was. Man, God, I know I I think I did tell you about this one time. I don't know if it's ringing any bell.
2: not ringing the bell now,
1: and you told me who he was, and unfortunately now I can't remember. He was an old time boxer, really tall too that ring any bells with you that you might have saw someone up there. maybe he has a show there.
2: if he has a show there, there's a really tall guy named Jerry Cooney. I think that's who it was yeah he's he hosts the show on, on and and uh, I know him for from for a long time he had a he's he's a very famous boxer from the 80s
1: yeah i think it was him 70s and 80s yeah he was was mad cool
2: i talked to you about this the other day um or texted you or something and then i finally i decided what the hell you know you you don't get anywhere with life I, i found you know all the success that you know has come my way thankfully um in large part because of the efforts of others around me which is fantastic but just you know you don't you don't get things if you don't Take a shot at them, um, and so <laughs> you'd be happy to know. Um, I actually emailed somebody last week at Sirius, pitching a m- monthly hour of rare hair, um, which I know. Oh, I to really? About briefly, yeah, um, where I would do an hour of you know all these sort of underappreciated songs and or bands from the hair metal years, and I kind of laid out a two or three paragraph pitch, and I haven't heard back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Man.
2: But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I would love to do that. That would be so fun.
1: Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. So
2: what's your favorite part about doing this now? I mean, other than the fact that it's a dream gig.
1: Well, you know, lately, uh, it's gone to a whole new level of me doing interviews, which is something I haven't done there for, for a while. And I talked to uh, Paul Stanley of KISS. Uh, Stephen Piercey from Rat recently, which as of now hasn't aired yet. Frank Hannon of Tesla and uh, Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, who's very outspoken. He's a fun interview, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I follow I follow him on Twitter. He's very outspoken on there.
1: Yeah, he's very outspoken. So it's always interesting to see what he's going to say. And the one thing I liked about Dee Snyder compared to other artists is a lot of artists will talk about, even just in general, w- w- an interview or just on Twitter or whatnot. Will always talk about themselves and rightfully so. They're there to promote something and whatnot. But Dee Snyder, he'll do that, but he'll also stand up and talk about other things in rock music. Like he once started a petition to get ACDC to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show. Like who the hell's doing that? Like not even right. ACDC's doing that. <laughs> right. right.
0: <laughs>
1: so it's like you got this guy who's got this power, this voice that people will listen to. And I think it's so cool that he'll stand up for others and you know, rock and roll. I guess he does mean it. We're not going to take it. You know, he goes in there and he's like this Rocky Balboa for uh, for hair metal and whatnot.
2: It's funny. He's doing this project uh, with a friend of mine. It's called Rock Me Amadeus. It's like this uh, rock opera thing, and um, he performed with that uh, about a month ago, I want to say, or six weeks ago in New York. I wasn't able to go, but Natalie was able to go, and uh, she said it was fantastic. I think it's going to be an ongoing thing on, like, Off-Broadway or something, but I'm not really sure.
1: Doing rock songs?
2: Yes, they're doing rock songs. It's like an operatic take on rock music. And the the, the show's curator is a good friend of Natalie's. Her name's Allison Cambridge, and she's trying to kind of, like people view opera as just like really stiff music, you know, and like not fun. And so she takes um, the, all these rock songs and they perform them in sort of an opera style and kind of try to make it a little bit more rock and roll. I'm probably not, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining it. They didn't see the show.
1: You know, who did that to me
2: was meatloaf. He kind oh, of yeah. took operatic rock
1: approach to song. So maybe that's what this is in that kind of vein, maybe, or
2: yeah, kind of Yeah. So you're wearing a kiss shirt and you know, kiss is, been a huge influence on in my life. This last tour that they've been on or that they're about to start up again has been just incredible. I've seen several shows and um, I've got, you know, I didn't know how many books there are about them or that written by them. And I went to the Tribeca Film Festival as their guest to see their biography that just came out. What a legacy they have. And but they were my entry into music. As I got a little bit older, Merciful Fate was sort of my entry into the hard metal stuff that I really love today. But when I was six, my brother my older brother had, you know, Kiss Alive 2, um, you know, on vinyl. And I, that was like my first, um, it, was, it's always, it was always Kiss, Cheap and Blondie. Those are the three records that my brother had that I would <laughs> listen to. That's a good Yeah. And so, um, but that was, you know, 43, 44 years ago when I was six years old. My God. Um, so what was a band that that grabbed you first by the throat and took you down the path of rock and roll?
1: Well, there was actually three different avenues for that for me. One was my father, as we were kids, all he ever played was 50s, 60s music, and Sundays were always Frank Sinatra. So I was always brought up on that music from Dion and the Belmonts to uh, Elvis and the Beatles, of course, and the Stones. My pop would play this all the time. There was nothing else played in the house, as far as I can remember. And then on the other avenue of things, uh, I remember, (laughs) this is kind of funny, when I was... In grade school there was this this janitor he was like this older kid i guess he was a kid at the time whatever and he was on the heavy metal hard rock and stuff and i remember commenting about van halen and the next day he made me a cassette tape of van halen and i probably knew like whatever the the jump or whatever was out and he came in and goes right, here's this man check this out and it was fair warning and women and children first on a you know the the, the cassette and I, I I played the shit out of this thing, nonstop. And that was my first taste of the real Van Halen, except whatever I heard on the radio. And mm-hmm. to this day, that's by far my favorite band, as you already know, my favorite band yeah. of all time. And meaning yeah. Kiss is there too. My I remember with Kiss, how I first discovered Kiss, uh, my parents uh, probably, I think they were like, subscribed to that uh, Columbia Music House Club. Yeah. So they would get yeah, yeah. Like, random records in the mail. And I don't, I asked my mom this the other day. Did you order Kiss Destroyer or did this come by accident? And she didn't know what I was talking about. But I remember my parents having that record and my brother and I were just, I just blown away by the cover.
2: Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: This, you know, it's it like cartoony, but not. And it's like Kiss. And we put on that record. I heard Detroit Rock City and we were, we were staring at the stereo like it was a television, you know, because it, it was so cinematic that record. And my brother and I, right from that moment on, were Kiss fans. So Kiss and Van Halen probably around the same time. I love both bands the same, but maybe I lean a little bit more towards uh, the Van Halen side of things because I just love Dave Lee Roth. <laughs> yeah.
2: I know we were supposed to go see him together.
1: Yeah, man, before right before COVID. the pandemic hit. And
2: I, so, so interestingly enough, the last concert that I saw um, was March 5th, 2020. And it was right before the pandemic. I actually, tested positive from, for COVID just a few days later, but it was, it was kissed with David Lee Roth opening um, at the Staples center here in LA. And I'll tell you what, David Lee Roth put on an amazing show, like amazing. I expected it to be fun because it's David Lee Roth. I didn't expect it to be amazing. And also I was really impressed by, you know, typically arena shows, you know, the arena is half empty for the opener and it was not, it was full. Like full, everybody wanted to see Diamond Dave and he did not disappoint, man. He was really great. He had a giant ear to ear grin on his face from beginning to end. Um, You could tell he was really enjoying being on stage. You know, I don't know if there was backing tracks or whatever, but he sounded good. Um, he was walking around sipping a whiskey the whole show. He's still doing his leg <laughs> kicks, not as high as they used to be, but still doing them. And he was just great. He was just great. And then, of course, Kiss blew the, the, the roof off the place. So it was a really a great show. And then that was, that was the last show I ever saw.
1: Do you remember if he did any solo stuff that night, or was it all Van Halen?
2: Yeah, uh, he did California Girls. He did Yankee Rose, and I might have well say maybe one more. And then just op, just complete classic, you know, Van Halen set list. Probably about fourteen or fifteen songs total. It was great. It was great. played for an hour. It was great. Um, and then we were going to go see him. He had a residency at Vegas.
1: Right. I was going to go with you to
0: that.
2: Yeah. I had great. Ta- I had a great table set up for us, but um, that that unfortunately has been canceled forever. That's not being rescheduled. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, well, it is a bummer.
1: You know what? I haven't. I saw that Kiss put out a uh, press release for the tour kicking back in. Uh, here in a few weeks and i didn't notice davley roth's name on it is it safe to assume he's not on the tour i was curious about this
2: i don't i don't know for sure but i don't think he is i don't think he is well also also his guitar player that night is um now a permanent guitar player in rat as of just like a week or two ago
1: oh no shit these guys all float around they jump around from band to band all the time (laughs) but this year marks the 35th anniversary of eat and smile and by wow. Greg Bissonet, Billy Sheehan, all the members of the Eden Small band have posted stuff online like celebrating it and rumors mm-hmm. were speculating that maybe they would reunite and tour. Oh, wow. And uh, those are just internet rumors. Those guys didn't say anything like that. But I would love to see something like that happen. Dave Roth to do that record in its entirety.
2: Oh so yeah, for sure. Be hot. He's been kind of quiet during the pandemic though.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know with, with the passing of Eddie, that was a that was a big one for me, man. That one hit me Really hard, and I was actually on the air on Ozzy's Boneyard when Eddie passed, and I had to go on the air and announce it. And I was tearing up; I was crying on the air, and it was hard for me to do it because I didn't even want to talk about it because talking about it made it more real. And then you know the channel played all Van Halen, rightfully so. But the one thing that made me feel, um, I guess, some way good about it in a way—not not his passing per se, but but talking about it on the radio was that there was someone out there who felt the same way I did. And I I let them know that Eddie passed on instead of hearing it from some knucklehead on the street. Like, Hey, did you hear that guy that plays in that band with jump died? Like I'd rather <laughs> be the one <laughs> to tell them like, Hey, I'm a huge Van Halen fan. And from one to the other, I, I want you to know this is some sad news today.
2: Yeah. 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 That's a really good point. That's a really good point. What a loss for sure.
1: Yeah. man I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. Him and his son were talking about, I don't know if you heard about this. The Kitchen Sink Tour they were working on, which would have been the original lineup of Van Halen, Dave, Michael, Alex, and, and uh, Eddie, with Sammy Hagar, Wolfgang opening the show and playing a song or two with the band, and Gary Sharon popping out for a song or two. That would have been would unbelievable. Have been
2: yeah, that would have been.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if Dave Lee Roth would have done it, but um, what a lot of people underestimate about Wolfgang Van Halen is he was the glue for Van Halen at the end there. When all those yeah. guys were getting along, he, he's the reason Dave Lee Roth was back with the band.
2: Because mm-hmm. David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar can't stand each other, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what they say. Sometimes I wonder if that's, uh, well, it probably is true to a degree. And sometimes it helps get good press when you're promoting something, too, you know?
2: Right. Speaking of degrees, tell us about this whole Nikki Six degree separation.
1: I do this bit on, on Hair Nation called Nikki Six Degrees of Separation. And I don't know. I was smoking weed one night and just randomly came up with it and thought it was funny. <laughs> I did it on the air one time, and all these people started tweeting me celebrities. And then I find ways to connect them uh, to Nikki Six. Some people hit me up with like Abraham Lincoln. I'm like, come on, like that's
0: <laughs> a little like ridiculous. I'm sure you call- could do Abraham Lincoln to Nikki Six. <laughs> you can. Yeah. Okay. One second.
2: You used me twice, and you got me twelve.
1: Uh,
0: yes, I used Chris twice. Chris is yeah, Chris is great. I was saying before the podcast, Chris opens every door.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, Chris was Chris is on Chopped with an episode that had Martha Stewart. And Martha Stewart was on a show with Snoop Dogg called Martha and Snoop Dogg, I think it was called, something like that. And then Snoop Dogg opened for Guns and Roses at the Bud Light Super Bowl party a year or two ago. And Guns and Roses toured with Motley Crue in 1987. There's your Nikki Six Degrees of separation to chris santos
2: very well done very well done <laughs> can you six degrees of separation to yourself yes i know chris santos and chris
1: <laughs> <is my master. laughs>
2: very very good
1: i never hey. did it with myself i don't know if i did on the air people be like what an asshole
2: so tell me how many t- i mean i know it's I, I, it always pops up here, here and there i mean you, you're you're very good friends with lady gaga who um I had the pleasure of hanging out with several times at the old Jerome's with yeah. you and all that, the old crew, but that was, you know, before she completely blew up, but, you know, during her blow up period and even until today, you've gotten a chance to perform on stage with her multiple times. So what's that like?
1: Yeah, it's been incredible, man. She's she's jammed with me at a few Dirty Pearl shows back in the day. She would jump on stage. Yeah, and I remember. And when I was crooning with my buddy, Brian Newman at various spots in New York city, uh, her and I would, would sing together with him. But one of the best moments happened right uh, right before COVID, like the fall of 2019. I went out to Vegas to see the uh, her residency there at the MGM. Uh, she was doing both pop shows as well as the jazz shows. And I had a few drinks in me. I you know I smoked some weed. It's legal out there in Vegas. I'm having a great time. I'm sitting in the audience with her dad. And I saw her before the show. Said hi. Wish her luck. You know that kind of thing. I'm out enjoying the show. I'm sitting there, high, drunk, right? And she starts telling this story about the Lower East Side and stuff and her friends and that one of her friends was there tonight. And I'm like, oh, I hope she's not talking about me because I ain't moving from these seats. And she says, yeah, my friend from XM, Tommy London, is here. Tommy, why don't you come up and sing with us? And I'm like, are you kidding me, right? <laughs> I can't move. And I'm with her dad. And her dad turns to me and says, you better get up there. I said, I can't even move, Right. I make my way up. It was like, it was crazy, man. I'm walking down, I'm walking down through the crowd. I look like, when I see the footage, I look like uh, someone who just got caught on to the Price is right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Ba-ba-ba-ba. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Whatever, going down there. Uh, they helped me get on stage. And well, I got through it, but that was a lot of fun. That was a really cool moment. And I told her afterwards, I said, oh, I'm so sorry if I screwed this all up. I was pretty drunk and high. And she's like, No, you were great, but she's probably bullshitting me anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, but one thing you are is great on stage. Um, You've got a great voice, um, you know, and I love uh, I've loved seeing your success. What's happening with the Tommy London solo career? Is that a little bit on hold because of this serious gig now or what's going on?
1: Right before pandemic hit, I recorded a record. It's all done in the can. Was good to go. And I worked. uh, It was produced by John Fields, who produced uh, Jimmy World and pink and and also produced, uh, I guess, together, co-produced by my guitarist, Matt Hogan who wrote all the songs with me. We went in the studio, we did this record, knocked it out. We were all set to release it May of uh, 2020. We had all the gigs planned, LA, New York, and the surrounding area here. And then COVID came to town and just ruined everything. So I released a few singles off the album and I'll probably put the record out. I think I'm going to wait till the new year because I'm just confused as to what is still going on. I'm afraid of booking a show and now all of a sudden they're going to pull stuff back again. Not saying that's on, but it's kind of a mystery right now. So I think that's the case. I might drop another single, put out a video. But that's the cool thing right now too is I'm kind of glad I didn't put the record out yet because I feel that people's attention spans are short, and it's better to put out a song and then wait till that fades away, then put out another song. Because if you put out the whole record, they look at it, listen to it, throw it away, and it's time for the next thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that seems to be the way things are going.
1: Yeah, I mean. I mean, our our society has made it into that. I mean, I I hate to say it. I'm a big movie person. I love going to the movies. And there are times when I'm at, well, before COVID, I haven't gone since. But When I was at the movies, I'll find myself looking at my fucking phone, man. And I never did that before. Why am I looking at the phone when I went there to be entertained by this big screen? You know, and it's it's just uh, just crazy. It's like ADD, I guess. I don't know what it is.
2: So does Tommy, does Tommy London play a Tommy London song on on hair metal when the record comes out? I
1: I I don't think I'm allowed because that's technically all classic rock hair metal. I don't fit into the equation. But that's true. That's true. We do have um, when we talk, music beds behind us. And I'm probably gonna start putting my music as the music bed behind me. I think that'd be kind of cool.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Very cool.
1: Little way to get it on there without really being on there. So,
2: (laughs) Matt, what do you got? Have you figured out six degrees from Abe Lincoln yet, or what?
0: I'm actually getting really (laughs) close because I realized his grand his great grandson Robert Todd Lincoln Beckwith was part of the 1964 World Fair with Paul Laval, who was like a really big, like probably the biggest conductor of like his era. And so, there's a lot of interesting connections there. So, I'm currently on a Wikipedia binge trying to figure out like. A connection between Motley Crue and like Radio City Music Hall where he was a conductor so it's possible I just need <laughs> a little more time Google. I guarantee you it's there because I've only used two connections so far <laughs> and I'm already at Radio City Music Hall so right. like it's relatively easy at this point to go from Radio City Music Hall 1960 to Motley Crue like that's doable that hey, you could get there you, you are on to something no but like you know what I'm saying right because it's like you just, you, like, I think the whole goal is to get into the same universe as someone. But my, you know, unique breed of Asperger's aside, <laughs> what is your favorite KISS record? You're wearing a Creatures of the Night shirt, uh, which my friend Kyle Thomas from Trouble and Exhorter, is, he loves. I went on tour with him once and I listened to that record like four times in two days. That's a Vinnie it,
2: Vincent record, right?
0: It is a Vinnie Vincent record. What is your favorite KISS record and why?
1: Well, I'll go with makeup and non-makeup. Makeup, Makeup, it's tough. It's really, I'm torn between uh, Destroyer and Love Gun. Only because Destroyer was the first record I discovered them on. And then Love Gun was the one I discovered on my own. I'll lean towards Love Gun. I I really, I love that record from beginning to end. And with the non-makeup, I got to go Revenge. I think that's a fantastic album, which was produced by Bob Ezrin, who also produced Destroyer. So it'd be kind of funny if I did choose both those records and uh, coincidentally the same producer. I felt that he got the best out of Kiss anyway.
0: Destroyer is a weird pick, but okay. I mean, it's a good album. It just surprises me.
2: It's unbelievable the condition that these guys are still in uh, to be able to play Uh, 90 minutes nonstop. And they're blowing up so much shit these days. It's not even funny, but just, you know, just running around. It's just, it's really, really, really crazy. They can still do it like at a very high level and it's just super entertaining. And I'm going to see them as many times as I can on this tour. I'm going to try and go see them in Washington state at this place called the gorge, which is this ridiculously beautiful venue with like mountains and lakes behind the stage. And then, um, I'm going to go see them as their guest, which I, I, I keep pinching myself about this, but um, they've invited me to go to them uh, with them to uh, see them at the Coliseum in Verona, Italy on July that's 11th. Of
1: incredible, man. Holy that's shit. Amazing. That's awesome.
2: Get to get on the kiss jet and fly with them, which is just ridiculous.
1: Even if you just came
0: back home. like that's <laughs> like, Yeah. I, I want to be allowed like on the kiss jet. What the fuck?
2: There is literally no, there's literally no, no bucket list item that will top that ever.
0: Yeah. No, that's the coolest thing.
2: Yeah, I'm looking very much looking forward to that, uh, Matt. You haven't you haven't said a whole lot for Tommy. So Matt's a, Matt is my um, you know my partner in crime. He he kind of runs the day to day of my um, my record label, Blacklight Media. But he's really um, and I say this with love, and I'm not even being trying to be funny. He's like a super dork about like really really like death metal and black metal, and
0: we don't talk about hair metal a lot. But I know a lot about hair metal, which is weird because you and I like bro down super hard over Vixen.
2: Yes. <laughs> Vixen and know, I that record you liked.
1: Yeah. Vixen's biggest hit, Edge of a Broken Heart. Classic. Mm-hmm. Written by Richard Marks. Oh, right. Whoa. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Six Degrees Rich. of Richard Marks in the yeah, house. Richard Marks. Actually, it was written by Richard Marks and Fee Waybill of the Tubes.
2: Oh, cool. Very cool. Pretty wild, yeah. Yeah, I just met him over the weekend. Very nice, very nice gentleman. Um, are you reading the book? Uh, Nothing but a good time.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I started reading it. I had to finish. It's a fantastic book.
2: So good. It's so good. Fascinating. I'm a huge Docking fan, and they're, they're like the band from that era that didn't quite get to where I would yeah, love yeah. to see them go. I, I just, I just um, spent an obscene amount of money uh, to get a balcony table to see them with George Lynch at the Whiskey a Gogo in December. I'm super excited.
1: Is it the original lineup or just George and Don are the original?
2: Uh, George, Don, and Jeff Pilson, but a different drummer, not Mick Brown.
1: Yeah, because he doesn't want to do it. So technically, it's just, it's the Dokken reunion, right? I guess.
2: Yeah. And Alex, you know, Alex from Pink's? Yeah. Him and I constantly geek out about Dokken. And uh, so he's actually coming out and I've got tickets for him and I. He's going to spend a weekend with me and we're going to, we're going to go to the show. It's going to be, it's going to be fun.
1: Oh, that's awesome, man.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah
0: Dokken's great.
2: Oh, fuck. They're so good. So good. Uh, Matt, you, sorry, did I interrupt
0: you? Oh, I was going to say I figured out the six degrees oh my God. Uh, of Abraham Lincoln to Six.
2: <laughs> go ahead. What is-
0: okay, so here we go. So, Abraham Lincoln, grandson, Robert Lincoln, okay, does the World Fair with Paul Lavallee, who is the conductor at Radio City Music Hall. The guy who built Radio City Music Hall is Edward Durrell Stone, who ends up doing a deal. So, that's four, okay, doing a deal with. Robert Tishman in 78, who starts Tishman Spire, who then owns Radio City Music Hall through 1985 when Motley Crue did Five Nights at Radio City Music Hall. Bam. Six Degrees, Abraham Lincoln.
2: Wow.
0: Motley Crue. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's (laughs) what I've been doing this episode. That's (laughs) impressive.
2: that's
1: why he's been quiet bro he's like goodwill Hunty with nikki six (laughs)
0: yeah but we gotta we gotta find out how nikki six is related it's all connected man it's like
1: uh i used to um i used to tweet a lot of them early on i haven't done it in a while but i used to tweet all the connections i did and the only time nikki six acknowledged it he clicked like on it once when i connected mo howard from the three stooges to nikki six
0: that's sick see that's sick that's awesome
2: (laughs) You remember how you did it?
1: Yeah, I got to remember. Um, who was the guy that was in the the Rat video? Milton Burrow. Milton Burrow. So there's the connection. So the three Stooges were on the Milton Berle show on NBC. Milton Berle was in Rat's video for Round and Round. And Robin Crosby, the guitarist of Rat, was once roommates with Nikki Six. So
2: that's, that's only four. That's only four degrees.
1: Yeah, I did it with less than six, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love people. People would tweet at me going. Connect John Bon Jovi. I'm like, okay. Bon Jovi played the Moscow Peace Festival with Motley Crue. We're done.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like okay. Come on. So <laughs> what is okay? So so I want to circle back to this. So Chris, you talked about you know you want to do this under. I want I want I want to go around because you said you wanted to do this like undiscovered hair show, right?
2: Yeah, ra- rare hair,
0: rare hair. Okay. What, Tommy? Is your favorite weirdo hair metal band? Maybe they only got a party pressing. Maybe they didn't really, something didn't happen. What is your favorite rare hair?
1: Um, I would go with Pretty Boy Floyd.
0: Okay. Did you ever hear that? Right, of course.
2: Yeah, I remember them. Yeah. I live 10 minutes away from the whiskey. If you go to the whiskey's website, every band from that era that is kind of underappreciated is playing in the next three months. Enough is enough. Pretty Boy
0: Floyd. Enough is enough is great, dude. All of them. why don't we talk, talk about know. hair metal all the time, Chris? What the fuck? You <laughs> really should.
1: Enough enough, man. I mean, they're they're an underrated band.
0: Yeah, I saw them
2: in the, like in Providence, Rhode Island when I was like seventeen or something. I was like pitching that you know I would play things like Badlands. Remember that, Jake Lee's Yeah. Subbing. I would play Badlands, Black and Blue, Vane, King Cobra. Uh, Black and, and Blue cu- is a good pick. Yeah, deep yeah. cuts from bands like Wasp and Striper and. That kind of thing, I think. It's,
0: does, does Fastway count? Like, I guess Fastway is like a cool heavy metal band, but not really a clan band.
2: What's the formula for for who you play or what you play?
1: Yeah, there's not, there's, I mean, there's a certain list of songs that you know, an artist that we choose from, and uh, and they just take it from there, really. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason, I can't really say.
2: In other words, so it's not just the same songs week in and week out, week in and week out. Do you like? Is there, is there a system to refreshing the playlists or is it just kind of spur of the moment?
1: How do I put it? Let me put it to you this way. You can only work with the cards you dealt with. The artists and the albums they give us to play with. then we can choose from. Gotcha. They license out the stuff from, from the labels. I don't know how all that works and how deep they can or can't go with it, but I know that's, that's part of it with the, with the satellite radio. When I first started, I was told this weird rule and I, I, I was never in radio, so I didn't know this, but apparently, and I can't believe this is still a thing, if it is still a thing, uh, you can't say the name of the artist and the song before the song. And the reason they told me this is because back in the day, if you were taping songs off the radio, which they didn't want you to do, they want you to go buy the 45, a single, whatever CD, then you knew it was coming and you could record it.
0: I've heard this before. Yeah.
1: And I found it really odd to still be a thing in today's time. You know what I mean? Like we could just go online and hear it, you know? So I can't say here's Bon Jovi living on a prayer and You know, we're not supposed to do that. I mean, I guess people probably still do it. It's just weird to me that this was like a a law of some sort. How do
0: you feel about emerging online radios like Hard Rock, Hell, or Gimme Radio, which actually got, you know, uh, Ricky Rackman to like come out of wherever they put him away to come do their thing? How do you feel about sort of these internet radios sort of coming to compete with stuff like Sirius? in what feels like a much more meaningful way than like an FM show that nobody really cares about.
1: Well, I, I feel that, I feel that it's it's, uh, it's different in a way. What it, what it reminds me yeah. of now that Sirius XM is in everyone's car pretty much, most, I guess we could say that those uh, things you're talking about were for me back in the day when I was a kid, here was the radio and here were these pirate radio things I would find. Maybe not not saying that they're pirate radio per se, but... No, but I know what you're saying
0: it's un- it's underground.
1: Yeah, it's like an underground thing, whereas here's here's the mainstream product that I'm going to listen to in the car. So and that way, it's kind of cool. Ricky Rackman, man, I mean, with Headbangers Ball, that guy did so much for this music. And that was a happy accident for him. You know how he got that job, right? Axl Rose was buddies with him. Just said, hey, man, you should be the host of this show. Caught MTV, and that's what happened. And this guy just fell into it. Rackman will tell the story. You can probably find it online. It's really funny and interesting how this guy was like, yeah, here I am. And I'm hosting this show. And let's just see where it goes. And then they got that uh, Adam Curry guy, which he was really stiff. Remember him?
2: Yeah, 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 I do remember
0: him.
1: It was almost like he just made himself look the part where Rackman was the part. Like he
0: was on the strip. There's like an enthusiasm to his performances. That's really fun. Yeah.
2: Because of how big hair metal was in the 80s and how much MTV had to do with that, what is your favorite hair metal MTV era video?
1: You know what I'll say? I'll say Home Sweet Home, Motley Crue. Oh, yeah. That one really nailed what those bands were all about. Not the song, per se, maybe as much, but just the video of them playing live, girls showing their tits and all this craziness.
2: Vince Neil in pink. Yeah. I love Vince Neil in pink. (laughs) What do you think about that stadium tour? You think he's going to pull it together?
1: I mean, I think it's, at this point, one of the most highly anticipated tours of all time.
2: I'm rooting for him.
1: Oh, about Vince Neil, uh, his voice?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it just his physical shape. I think it could be, you know, I think everyone's rooting. Anyone who's a fan, like I am, um, is rooting for him to, you know, just kind of get it together for this tour a little bit more than... he than... Yeah. The one
1: thing about Vince Neil I saw, and, and I love him too. I love Motley Crue. I love Vince Neil. Uh, I saw an interview with him years ago, and they asked him what he does to prep his vocals, and he said nothing. And what happens is as a singer, it gets to a point in your life as you get older where you're going to have to do something. You know, he was born with this gift. He didn't work it out just like any muscle. You know, you got to work yeah. it out. And he yeah. just was probably singing so much that didn't matter. And now over COVID, he probably didn't sing at all. And then he jumped back on a stage thinking he was the same old Vince Neil and he wasn't, you know. And and as for the weight stuff you're talking about, well, that's just a whole different thing if he wants to get more in shape. But you know, in his voice, and I'm hoping that uh, he'll be uh, ready to go uh, for the stadium tour. You know, with these guys, usually too, is when they feel they're out of shape in any way, shape, in any way, shape or form. No pun intended. They usually start a reality show. I was surprised he wasn't going to do a reality show. Sh- a reality show showing him prepping for the stadium tour.
0: Right. That that's great. a that's such but, a fucking brilliant idea.
1: And that, and what great like build up to the stadium tour. Here's Ben Snell getting back in the ring, looking like a sexy motherfucker, but. The other thing I was curious about the stadium tour, and let me get your take on this was they pulled the plug on the stadium tour about three weeks prior to guns and roses, announcing the stadium tour baseball games, going to full capacity and everything, everything else. So did they pull the plug too soon on the stadium tour?
2: Could've I don't happened. know. I mean, I can tell you, you know, as you know, my, my, the company that I'm uh, fortunate enough to be a partner in, uh, we have now over 60 venues worldwide um, and a lot of them in nightclubs and we are really, you know, we were a little bit worried that things are going back in the wrong direction and that we might have to roll back again and we might see closures again. I mean, this is not over, you know, we're, this is, we're, we're recording this on August 4th or 5th. It'll air, yeah. it air probably in a week or two or three, but uh, you know, as of August 5th of 2021, we are still um, like freaked out, like that, that this yeah. is not
1: under control. Yeah. They're saying it could come back this fall. I really hope that's not the case. Yeah. You know, no, now they're getting. Uh, I think they're doing the same in L.A. In New York, you got to have the vax to get into clubs and restaurants. And
2: yeah, I know. Starting September thirteenth, right?
0: In New York, I think it just started this week. Yeah, I think it's like already starting to roll out.
2: I've now know three. I'm up to three people I know that are fully vaccinated that tested positive, and one of the three got really sick again. You know, it's it's crazy.
0: Tyler from Capra also got pretty sick.
1: Knock on wood, man. I've been very fortunate. And every morning I take immune pills for my immune system. I highly recommend that thousand milligrams. Some days I take two. I probably shouldn't do that. My peas like green. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you for sharing.
1: <laughs> in case you're curious.
0: As we roll
2: to the end here, because we like to keep these brief, so that we can have you on again in the future and have other stuff to talk about we have a segment um we officially have a segment now um it's called guilty pleasures and it's funny i just did this whole thing with my my, my wife's family was visiting and I, I at, at a dinner we did it with the family which was really kind of fun but anyway monty pitman who is uh, the guitar player for um ministry and has played was, was, has been madonna's guitar player for 20 years um this is a very good friend of mine. We had him on the show, but he actually has a song called Guilty Pleasures, and he shot the music video for it at a Beauty in Essex location. So it came up in the podcast, and I said, well, what is your guilty pleasure? Uh, what is a guilty pleasure that you, you know, you're know you willing to share? And he, he said, cat wrestling. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> And he said, he spends all his downtime. He's like, you know, when you see people just doodling on their phones, doing whatever he's like, what I'm doing is I'm going to Instagram and I'm hitting hashtag cat wrestling and I'm watching house cats like roll around all over the house together. And I thought that was the most bizarre thing. In yeah. The that's world. a
1: little crazy. Um,
2: <laughs> you're probably, but, but, but it was so, it was so out of left field that we've decided to make it a, a segment and um, ask all of our guests as the last question, what is a guilty pleasure that you can share um, to a, pg 13 audience
1: well I don't have anything that crazy but uh and I'm definitely not into cat wrestling though I've never seen it so perhaps I should tune in and, and maybe uh'll be turned on to it I'm infatuated with things from my youth toys and whatnot and I uh, you can't well if I could turn this around I have a collection of evil Knievel stuff I love oh, all cool. the old um I love all the old uh uh Ben Cooper are you familiar with Ben Cooper Ben Cooper made all those costumes when you were a kid with the mask and the and oh yeah I I love all those. I have Spider Man, Fonzie, Evil Knievel. I collect those. I'm trying to find the Kiss ones. They're hard and very expensive to find. Yeah. I also have a bunch of old action figures. If you see over here, I have the Kiss dolls up in the corner.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I got movie posters. I got the original John Travolta doll. Like I got weird, crazy shit like that that just reminds me of my youth and I love having it around. It just makes me feel young. I love all that stuff, and I'll go out to uh, different um, flea markets and stuff looking for old metal lunch boxes. That's another thing I collect: metal lunch boxes.
2: I can, I can relate. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, system.
1: man. Uh, uh, Jason. Friday the
2: thirteenth. Yes, I will not unbox
1: it. I will never unbox this. <laughs> I love going to school and seeing the metal lunch boxes the other kids would have. For some reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look at the Spider-Man one. Oh, look at the Hulk. So I have a few I've found and I won't buy them on eBay unless it's something I really want. Like I found happy days on eBay, but I love going to like antique stores or flea markets for the treasure hunt of it. Like that's the of thrill
2: course. of yep.
1: finding it there and then bring it in home. So that's, that's, a, I guess that's my guilty pleasure. All
2: right. I like it.
1: No and camera. You... <laughs> um,
2: Matt, anything, uh, anything you'd like to add before we, Oh, by the way, one thing I wanted to say is, I cannot believe. So the Dirty Pearls, the, the fantastic, amazing band that you were in, what a great band that was, by the way. I miss it. I miss Marty.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen him in a while. We Talk from time to time.
2: You had me. I was in one of your music videos.
1: Yes. Oh, that was great. Who's coming back to who? You know what, man? The Dirty Pearls. Like every time we got fourth and inches from the move, it was something else. And then I just felt the band ran its course. Certain guys had left and it was like the writing was on the wall. And the guys in the band were doing other things in other bands. And I was like, well, why am I giving 110% here when when they're not? So I decided to go solo. Never really closing the book on the band, but I guess it has been closed. I wouldn't mind doing one more official show to say that we finally, you know, reunion and close it up. But then I went solo and the same thing kind of happened there. Dude, I had, I did this record and met with uh, Republic Records. It was Republic Records. They had just started a rock division. They loved my album, okay? Met with them. They're down, ready to roll, ready to sign. Waited until after the holidays to make it all go down. And then the president of uh, Republic got uh, popped for sexual harassment charges. And he got canned. The whole uh, label got canned. And then I'm lucky they didn't sign me. Now, look, I I think they should have fired the guy. But it's just my luck that I'm finally in and then something happens, no matter what it should be. (laughs) It's just like Murphy's law. But then I landed this gig. So uh, I'm definitely not complaining. So it's cool. And, and I did this record and I want to, I want to try to license the music. I feel that that's more of an angle.
2: I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but you know, all your stuff has always been solid. I haven't heard the new record, but I, and I know the show that you put on, you're you're just electric to watch, you know, now I'm sure your visibility and people knowing, you know, you, you have, you know, who who the fuck is Tommy London? I mean, a lot of people are starting to find out because of this serious gig. So you might actually, your best days, you know, on the music front might, might be just ahead of you, you know, now that you've got a little more variety.
1: I've seen a lot more plays and people looking at the videos and stuff like that, that maybe now's the time. Luckily, I held the record back and maybe, uh, you know, put it out in a certain way now.
2: Well, Dirty Pearls played my 40th birthday party, which was 10 years ago.
1: Yes, I remember That was a blast.
2: Maybe they can play their my 60th for your reunion gig.
1: Yes, we're at, we'll reunite just for your birth uh, just for your 60th birthday, dude.
2: <laughs> we'll cut this short because I want to have you on again. Tell the powers that be that I want to do rare hair um, once a month um yes i'll pass it on that would be awesome thanks so much um for being on and for our listeners um i hope that you enjoyed the show um thank you for supporting delirious nomads um we are loving doing this and we hope that you're loving listening to it as much as we love doing it um tune in next week for another uh another amazing episode i'm not sure who we got next week yet it's a surprise but i'm sure it'll be fun tommy thanks again
1: yeah thanks for having me man
2: matt bacon thank you for always bringing i know i know you got you guys listening out there can't see it but matt thank you for again bringing the flavor with your shirt choice really appreciate <laughs> it
0: i'm like living my like weird uncle life
2: great great job with the six degrees of separation that's very impressive actually
0: yes yeah, very impressive
2: well done well done all right we're out of here thank you guys see you next week all right so that was awesome thank you everyone out there for listening to delirious nomads sponsored by blacklight media we will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy.
1: Welcome to us talking about our
0: podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to Axe grind podcast hey everyone this is tuck from fit for a king and off-road minivan every week i bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast get tucked join me every monday with bands like counterparts crystal lake like mods to flames and many more We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.